When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and And talk talk about about it. it. We're very excited that you all came back to listen to another episode, I assume. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Uh, And, of course, I'm going to once again remind you to give us five stars and review on the old Apple iTunes podcast store, you know, let us let us have that. It's a it's a nice thing for you to do. Um, and uh, also a, a reminder, and this is one that I I don't you know often do, but you know we we have social medias as well. We never talk about it, but uh, there is an at Pod Yourself a Gun on both Instagram and Twitter. So uh, feel free to follow that for all the updates and whatnot. Wow, and, five uh, seasons in, and you've figured out a way to cram even more crap before we get to the actual <laughs> show. Just really impressive work. I gotta uh, you say. know, I remember one time I think I did like I did five stars, I did Patreon, and I did T-shirts all up top. I was just like, oh, "Fuck it, I'm front loading this with calls to action." Yeah, you uh, got to see how many you can get in there. You got to see, because, you know, you know, you want to get their, now that we have their attention, you know, we're they calling, can leave now. We're calling the bad listeners. Yes, exactly. We're just trying to, you know, we're just trying to get you all together in your, in your little pig pen to uh, consume all of the slop that we have on various different corners of the internet. So do that for us at Pod Yourself a Gun on all the socials. All right. With that being said, it is time to introduce our guest for today. For episode two of season five, Rat Pack, we have a great guest, someone who has a fantastic podcast that I believe, Vince, you have done before from the Allison Rosen is your new best friend podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Allison Rosen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are smart to do all your stuff at the top because That's what I, I said. Thank you. <laughs> Thank I think you. so. Oh, no. Although by doing that, you are allowing people to you're just making it easier for them to fast forward. But I mm. and I've been doing this like twenty five years, definitely not that long, but it feels like it. <laughs> sure. And no, I, I get still it. every time I do a show, I'm like, oh, when am I gonna wedge this in? And then I like sort of do it, I like intersperse it and I'm always like, oh, what am I forgetting? I mean it's for some I've been doing it so long, I really should have it down to a science and I don't. Yeah, no, same here. I, I don't have it uh, down to a science. I've just found a groove. Like, you know, I've been, hi, this is my name and this is the name of the podcast. Please do all of these things. It feels (laughs) desperate yet Mm -hmm. genuine. This is muscle memory. That's 
That is what I am. Yes. Desperate yet genuine. <laughs> That's my vibe. That's mine too. This yeah. is perfect. I'm so perfect. glad. Maybe <laughs> we will be new best friends. Um, so let's talk for a second about The Sopranos. Now, Allison, have you, yes. have you seen The Sopranos? Uh, I have not seen the entire series. Can oh. you believe it? I can. It has happened many a time on this do, podcast. When it happens, though, do people revolt? Do they rebel? Do they I, um, throw? I think, uh, no, we've had dog we've turds da- at you. No, no, we've had a few people on Twitter who have been like, um, you know, how come some of your guests have never seen all the Sopranos? And it's like, oh, because it's a fucking TV show, and who cares? Yeah, is, I feel is like the answer. I feel like all of media for so many years, like the entire job has been like projecting the illusion of professionalism. So, uh-huh. uh, and, and you know, like film critics have not seen every movie like people like people on the news have not do not know every single fucking news event but we've all like been trained to maintain this pretense uh so when you just kind of don't do that there is like a very small i think most people are like okay cool this is refreshing but there is like a small segment of the population that are like how come thing doesn't do like the other thing i'm used to what's going on (laughs) and they like they don't like they still want to buy into like the illusion uh, that any t- if you're listening to a podcast about the Sopranos, that that person is like a Sopranos fact machine and knows right. All right. We must be experts. Yeah. yeah. Well, I recently had Jamie Lynn Sigler and Robert Eiler on my show, so I nice. especially should have seen the whole thing. <laughs> but no. So here's the thing: I didn't <clears throat> watch it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And then my husband is, I feel like everyone who appreciates story and television, it feels like it's, you know, one of the top three shows ever. So my husband was like, oh my God, you really need to see it. So we started (laughs) watching it and we got through season four, I want to say, or somewhere in season four. And then Vince invited me on and I said, I jumped at the chance. (laughs) I said, I want to anger your listeners with my lack of follow through. (laughs) Uh, So, and then it got rescheduled, which bought me more time. So I went back and rewatched all of season four. And now I am actually a a episode or two ahead of the one that we're going to talk about today. Excellent. Tonight, I have to watch a movie because I have a guest on tomorrow who's in a movie. But then I am going back to my watching Sopranos, Sopranos, because I can't wait to finish it. Like, now I'm totally hooked again. Yeah. 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 I mean, it feels more natural this way because you are actually experiencing this episode that we're talking about like it's the first time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's also because, I mean, here's the thing. What do you actually need to know in order to talk about The Sopranos? People are acting like you need to be, let's say, uh, two of the, two of the major characters on the show to do a podcast about The Sopranos. And right. I'll tell you right now, you don't even need to like The Sopranos to talk about it. You know, <laughs> well, perfect. That's how I um, feel. About I mean, it. yes, I did write my PhD on it and do my <laughs> dissertation on it. I've published three books, but I've not finished it. So. Yeah. Well, you'll get there. You'll <laughs> yeah. get there. I mean, and, and people so, do the thing where like, you know, you write a review of whatever Fast Furious movie and if you get one of the cars wrong, they get mad in the comments. And it's like, does yeah. does this matter to anyone but you? I don't care. Like, 
Yeah, you just did like a grand um, look back at all the Fast and the Furious movies, uh, Vince. And I remember you said you had just missed Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember there was a little little nerd guy in me who was like, "How could you miss Tokyo Drift? It's like one of the best ones." It was like it <laughs> yeah. just like popped. Yeah. That, like I have it inside of me, so I, I understand know what's f- happening in the fifth one if you haven't seen the third one. Yeah. If you don't understand the context of the previous pieces of art that you've seen, then you don't understand art. Why don't they get a fan to review this? Can't we have anybody who knows anything about car? I remember once I got, I said Vin Diesel was driving a Miata in the first one and not an RX-7. And Mm. uh, and that got someone real mad. And I was like, well, maybe I said Miata as a joke, knowingly. Yeah. You'll never know. Yeah, how about that? Well, I think one thing we know for certain about the guy who corrected you is he's definitely had sex before. Uh, that guy fucks on the regular, like consistently has sex with probably multiple partners. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good for him. I was recently a guest on a Star Wars podcast, and nice. I can't think of a more um, fun but ill fit. <laughs> and I'm surprised there wasn't more outrage over that. Like I went, like I warned the the guy. You said I'm a girl, first yes. of all. <laughs> and I really like. How much do I need to be a Star Wars person? And he assured me I really didn't need to. So I yeah. think I brought a refreshing outsider perspective. I, yeah. I I agree with you. I I work on this uh, web show with Lucasfilm called the Star Wars Show, and oh, cool. one of one of the reasons I was hired is because I don't super like Star Wars. Like I I've seen the movies, but like I'm not a fan fan, mm. and I think uh, that for the guy who created the show, he was like, no, that's good. I would so much rather work with a real person who's a comedian than some sort of weird, you know, like automaton Star Wars nerd. Yeah, I feel like uh, there are two types of Star Wars super fans at this point, which is like people that were actually born in like the earlier mid-70s when we were around like when it came out and then uh, people that just really like brands, like younger people that are really (laughs) into brands. They're so uncynical. (laughs) I'm Gen X, so you know how I feel about brands. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the whole brand of Gen X is hating brands. I'm disaffected. Yeah. (laughs) That's a better brand if I were, you know, if I honestly, I'm also disenfranchised. Exactly. You're, you're all the, all, all the disses. Anything that starts with the word dis is what. Gen X is, but this is not Mm-mm. a Star Wars podcast. No, no, there's too many of those. For there is only one Sopranos podcast, and it's called Pod Yourself a Gun. And we cannot start the podcast without first listening to the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, today we are talking about from season five, episode two of The Sopranos, Rat Pack. Uh, Rat Pack, which premiered uh, March 14th, 2004. Uh, Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I sure can, once I scroll down to it. Um <laughs> Carmine's passing opens new wounds while cousin Tony wants to put his past behind him. Tony Soprano, meanwhile, discovers a traitor. Ah, all right. And uh, and tell me, Vince, like what what was happening at the time that this episode premiered? Yeah, I mean, I assume what you mean is that yep. for all art, you need cultural context. Sure and do. The cultural context of this episode is very important. Uh, it was mm-hmm. March fourteenth, two thousand four. And uh, just to get you, Ides accl- of March Eve. Is that <laughs> That's right? right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, March. Yeah, no, 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 I got it. Yeah, and uh, just to acclimate you, I'm going to take you uh, to the Remember One machine. Walk, walk, tell your daddy walk, shoot Remember then, 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 then. Remember, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. That's right. Uh, we're going back all the way. Uh, just right in the middle of the aughts, you know? Um, yeah. Are we going to always call it the aughts, you think? Or is it going to be like the zero zeros at some point? I think it's the aughts. I yeah. mean, I think a hundred years from now, it will be considered, it won't because they'll have their own aughts. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like, will the nineties be the nineties in, uh, 2090? Who knows, dude? Yeah. We, hope we'll, we cover hope- some really <laughs> profound ground on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to find out. Um, so yeah, this was uh, March 14th, 2004. Um, the Madrid train bombings actually happened uh, three days before this on oh, March Oh, I think I remember those. Were those Al-Qaeda too? That was Al-Qaeda. Uh, 193 people killed. The, the sophomore album is never as good as the freshman. Yeah. You notice that? <laughs> That's true. It's like the- <laughs> well, because they had their whole life to plan that first bombing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then they just had, you know, their tour to plan the second. Exactly. Yeah, that, three that's- years to do your second yeah. 9-11. It's, not it's really right. hard. Right. It's- not I said bombing, but I meant to act of terrorism. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's just like, it's the sophomore slump. What can you do? I mean, it wasn't bad. It was critically mm-hmm. acclaimed, but it just didn't sell as many records. Didn't resonate as much. No, it didn't. Um, we're also in the midst of the largest U.S. troop rotation since World War II uh, in <laughs> Baghdad and Tikrit. Cool. Um, and uh, uh, so there was voting that took place in the Russian presidential presidential election. Uh, Vladimir Putin wins by a large majority. The election is widely criticized by external observers who said Russian state television was very biased towards Putin during the campaign. Mm. Mm, I uh, I love that that was the critique at the time. Like that that is a I love that softball critique. It's just like yeah. you know the media was really pulling for you. Like fast forward to now, and I'm like, yeah, that's normal democracy, right? When yeah. when the media just chooses side for you, yeah, that's norm. That's um, cool. Speaking of that, um, this uh, this one is from the Post, which I love. Uh, I love the Post, dude. Headline is he's hired. Donald Trump's speaking fee is soaring past $100,000 thanks to his hit show, The Apprentice. Corporations are able to hire him and a version of the show for their events and meetings from Greater Talent Network, according to bizbash.com. 
a version uh, of the show what the fuck does that mean i guess he like takes uh you know hey, this is your this is, everybody likes the boss dave well you're fired <laughs> just that's it that's stage, all he fucking does i don't know it's a very bad trump impression i apologize no that was one of the worst <laughs> i covered a season finale of the apprentice and i went i think maybe it was trump tower and it was like a whole press line and i interviewed him and it was the season that kwame was on mm-hmm. does anyone remember when that was because that might have been 2004 that might have been concurrent with this episode no, I don't I, remember. I think I no saw a little idea. bit of early apprentices, but that's about it. I'm gonna yeah. look it up. It's an it's important to me personally and yeah. no one else. Yeah, um, you could have been around next to this, you know, this uh post reporter. Yeah. Uh, right. Well this yeah. yeah. Uh, according to my research, Kwame was on the thirteenth season, which was two thousand like thirteen or seventeen or something. So maybe I'm not thinking of Kwame. I'm very confused. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, I could, you know. This was definitely closer to like 2004 because I remember where I was living and where I was working. Yeah, let's say that you were there, and uh, you know, <laughs> leave and it at that. Was yeah, Kwame, exactly. did Kwame win? I don't know because <laughs> I went because I, I, I don't. <laughs> Another kind I of thought worms. I don't know. Yeah, you know, this is it's back to what we were talking about. Like, yes, sure, we may be professionals, but we don't know all the facts. You know. Mm. That's for the fans to especially give a not shit about. random things that we just bring up in the middle of the show. Yeah, um, we lived it. Doesn't mean we're going to remember everything. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> speaking of post articles, uh, we got this next one. It's also Sopranos related. Headline. Oh, nice. Just cool it, Doctor Melfi. Oh my God, what is happening? Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, the actor and filmmaker who plays Doctor Jennifer Melfi's shrink on The Sopranos, yeah, has three yeah. words of advice for his TV patient: Don't do it. Bogdanovich. I thought it was just cool it. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. Very, Very good point. Uh, Bogdanovich, who plays the decent Dr. Elliot Kupferberg on the HBO series, believes that sexual relationships between therapists and patients are a prescription for misery. I know somebody well who had an affair with a psychiatrist, and it was a disaster, he told The Post. He's talking about Nick Nolte and Prince of Tides. <laughs> that's he's definitely what is it what is he how did he describe the character also like how did he why did they just randomly did they just see peter bogdanovich at a party and ask him whether he thinks melfi should date tony and also they don't date there's there is no nothing sexual ever happens between them spoiler alert well we didn't know that at this point they thought they were gonna do like a rachel and ross kind of thing probably it did have a (laughs) rachel and ross feeling that's true bogdanovich said he doesn't know if the plot line leads melfi to succumb to patient tony soprano's amorous moves but he reflected on her dream in the season premiere showing her atop tony in bed obviously she's got some subconscious attracted attraction to him he said but what we experience in our unconscious or subconscious doesn't mean we want it necessarily, even though we are toying with it. I like He's how they're tra- being a method actor here, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're treating oh him God. like an actual professional Shrink, psychiatrist. Yeah. He does do a great job. I mean, I gotta say, he. Uh, I mean, I'm sure if hit filmmaking is also fun and good for him for doing that. But as an actor, I think he kills it as Elliot, and uh, mm-hmm. he sure is channeling that. A very just insufferable character <laughs> that he has. Yeah, um, but you know they got to wrap up this article, and I feel like they do it in uh, just tremendous fashion. 
In his own life, the veteran director, writer, and actor who grew up in Manhattan said he has benefited tremendously from therapy. Bogdanovich was traumatized by the 1980 murder of Dorothy Stratton after he fell in love with the Playboy Centerfold, but he mm. did not seek professional help for five years. That was a mistake, he said. I waited until it got out of hand. Mm. I, I want to know what out of hand means. Well, he married that, her sister. Well, is uh, that can't be the what he means by out of hand, Probably right? Probably not, no, but you know. <laughs> I want to know. I just wanted it's to like, put that in there. Like, was it a, did he go on a murdering spree? Did he, what, what did he, did he drink too much? I, I just, you know, there's like a lot of detail left out of there. I want to know, you know, I want to see what Peter Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich, how do you, I don't care how you pronounce it. I want to see him let loose, you know, mm -hmm. and in trauma. That's what I want to fucking see. Maybe he could, anyways, that's. Maybe uh, he was, I bet he was crying and having night terrors. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what I think. He's probably I mean, just, that's, he's probably so, muttering to himself while he mowed the lawn, just kind of be like, rah, rasa fressa fressa. Rasa fress. That's how that's how I mutter, dude. Uh -huh. That's uh, just yeah, inaudible <laughs> fake swear words. I was <laughs> I was doing like a Joe Pesci in Home Alone kind of thing. Yeah, rah, no, that's rah, a, the, <laughs> You know, people never give him enough credit for the fact that he spent that whole movie not swearing but sounding like he was swearing mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Very, I mean, just an impressive little man. <laughs> he's what? what? He's little. What people say about him, that's true. He's very little. He's one of the tiniest men. Right. How ti how tiny is he? I if I had to guess 51. That's my guess. Really? I mean, I don't know. I've never looked it up. I'm You're on a podcast about Sopranos and you don't know how tall Joe Pesci is? He's not even mm. on the show, Allison. I right. know, but Joe. still, he's Italian. Yeah, he's Italian. I should know all the heights <laughs> of every Italian who's ever existed. That's a website right, for you. Famous Joe Italian Pesci. heights. If all I right. was like one of those boxing promoters, I would figure out how to get uh, Joe Pesci and Danny DeVito to do like a foot race to see and have you know <laughs> people show up, do like a pay-per-view, see who would... Yeah. Be no, good. I would, I would, I would definitely, I would pay Ooh. money to see that. Exactly. So you guys say, so is it Sopranos? Is that how we're saying it? Uh, yeah. It depends where you're from. I think, I think. Uh, I say Sopranos, but like, I feel like if I was talking about an opera singer, I'd be like, oh yeah, she's a Soprano. But uh, if I I'm talking about Tony Soprano, it's Soprano. I don't know why. I, I say Soprano, but I also say Nevada. So mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, for some reason I have like Southern California fancy talk. Um, so, so I, I pronounce things, uh, without the nasal stuff a lot of the time. I have a friend in New York named Nevada and she pronounces it Nevada for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, so I'm right. Yeah. Jamie Lynn Sigler said she thinks that it's, she always said soprano. Huh. But then she was watching, maybe she was watching the show or something made her realize that she thinks it's actually supposed to be Soprano. And she felt embarrassed that like she described herself as like, quote, that idiot walking around saying Soprano. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I on the show, they say Soprano. But I just assume that that's their Jersey accent. Yeah. Oh, who knows? I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. Carmela calls people named Mario Mario. So who? Yeah. Right. Who that's knows? a good point. Jersey, Jersey people. Point. You never know. Yeah. I mean, I, here's the thing. Uh, tomato, tomato, soprano, soprano. You know, there's a... Let's call the whole thing the, off. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. having that fun. That seems extreme. <laughs> <laughs> it is a kind of an extreme reaction yeah. to just not pronouncing stuff it's, the same. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, feels uh, yeah. It's an extreme show. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying. Let's maybe I don't know. Let's talk about it in therapy let's rather table than calling it the whole and thing then off. figure out sure. whether we're going to call the whole thing off at some future indetermined point. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. honestly, but you though, are going to so- say how tall Joe Pesci is. Oh, five foot four. I was wrong by mm. three inches, so I feel a little bit bad. But five foot four is still incredibly like that's a yeah, that's, that's medium height for an Italian. Is that medium Italian height? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you say it. I believe it, Vince. You are Italian. Yeah, no. You that's, know? Uh, yeah, no. Um, he's uh, he's Sicilian husky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah. Um, he's, <laughs> top movies in the country. Uh, before we get out of the Rember Wine Machine, uh, Passion of the Christ was number one. Oh shit! Wow, hell yeah, yeah dude. Followed by Mel Gibson. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Give me back my son, Jew. Yeah. Doesn't he say Jew at the end of that? <laughs> is it? Is that? He's. Uh, is he yelling about Jews and ransom? Yeah. I think in his. That was how he got into character for. The uh, he scene. got into character just like <laughs> just. Come, come back, my son, Jew. The director was like, "Okay, think of the Jews." No, all right, go. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, sad man. that he did all that stuff because uh, I feel like he could be like a model for an aging for aging actors because i feel like every other actor his age has gotten really bad plastic surgery and yeah. it never looks good and it like really limits the number of the type of characters that you can play like you can only play right. the rich smarmy guy after that um, yeah but uh mel gibson he had a rough like transition period but now he looks like a catcher's mitt and uh <laughs> And it, it helps. It, it's great. Like when it's he's a good doing look. a like being grizzled is helpful for an older actor. Like it's no, a good I thing. agree. It's unfortunate that he is a huge anti-Semite and racist. <laughs> yeah, uh, well. Because if it weren't for that, uh, you know, I'd be super into him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's he's a man of contrasts. Is all I'm saying. Sure, <laughs> we all are. We're yeah. we're all we all contain multitudes, <laughs> but you right. know. It's, uh, yeah. Followed by Secret Window, Starsky and Hutch, Hidalgo, Ag- and Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. Nice. That okay, what about songs? That we all remember. Uh, top pop song was Yeah by Usher and Little John. Great song. And uh, top rock song is Still Figured You Out by Nickelback. Yeah, mm. all right. So that was what was going on in 2004. Yeah, 2004. This- Bad for music, great for Sopranos episodes. Great for war and Sopranos episodes. <laughs> Two great things that were happening. And Jesus movies, apparently. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, like you said, the synopsis is, you know, essentially Carmine's passing opens new wounds while Cousin Tony wants to put his past behind him. Tony Soprano, meanwhile, discovers a traitor. Blah, blah, blah. Boring. Which is why I, uh, every every week on this podcast, uh, do the Bada B stories, where I do my own version of the synopsis, and I would like to present that to you right now. I have a clip. Okay. Should <laughs> I be scared? Apologies in advance. All right. I'm excited. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, there it is. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is a 21 Savages yeah. song. Never mind. If Soprano don't trust you, I'm gonna shoot you. Snitches and rats. Snitches and rats. 
Yeah. This episode is about snitches and rats. That's true. Snitches and rats. Yup. Snitches and rats. <laughs> Season 5, episode 2, snitches and rats. Facts. Adriana, a rat. Facts. Masseron, a rat. Facts. Rex Curdo is a rat. Facts. Flat, flat, flat. Bitch. My name is L.A. Matt. All these motherfuckers snitches and rats Tony B walk out of prison cell and into another Soprano loves him like a friend but also a brother Now he give him massage, he don't wanna be rich Acting like the B in Tony B, it stands for a bitch Tina wanna get it, cause she got no self-esteem Adriana, she don't play that shit, she play with another team FBI, movie night at Carmella's Agent kicked up, what the fuck? Citizen Kane and Rosé these hoes just wanna guss up Orson Welles Snitches and rats Snitches and rats yep. Also Opus Day, Little Carmine and shit Fuck. Snitches and rats True Snitches and rats <laughs> Bitch Little tiny microphone inside a hat <laughs> Snitches and rats <laughs> Snitches and rats Other things happening in this episode Hell <laughs> Snitches and rats Darn Flat, 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 flat Yo, bitch. Yo, what up, bitch? My name is L.A. Matt. Sorry. All these snitches, too many snitches in this bitch, and we're sucking on the dick, and we're having so <laughs> <All right>. much <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wow. So good. I Thank totally you. get what song that's based on, because I'm yeah. so cool. It's uh, 21 Savage and Metro Boomin', uh, mm. a song called Snitches and Rats. Uh, okay. It is, um, I, I can confidently say uh, that, Almost none of our white bread listeners will recognize it. Yeah, my first and thought was like, oh, dang, is this going to be like a cover of Pearl Jam's Rats off of the Versus album? You and, are um, so it wasn't. old. <laughs> you know, and this yeah. is the thing about me. You know, I'm young and hip. That's I'm right. Not, I'm not in my mid-30s. A guitar? Nope. What's that, Grandpa? Yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next year, you're going to start singing notes with your voice, idiot. Um, There's a thing called live drums. What? Yeah, boo. That's for old people. And they're stupid. You, know, you might as well uh, use your bones. And, and I have to hit, hit this thing with a stick. What's next? I have to clean the poop off of my butt with wadded up paper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love trap Unreal. music. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Anyways, um, so I would say in general, this episode is about snitches and rats. My yeah. alternate title is uh rat in a hat. Um yeah. Nice. Uh what let's let's just get general thoughts. Uh, Allison, um, you know, what did you what did you think of this episode in general? I thought and you it can, was I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, I thought I'm tr- see because I have been watching them every night. I'm a little, I'm not sure if I'm thinking of this episode or yes. of the previous one. Perfect. With two Tonys, which by the way, there's two yeah. Tonys in this episode. Mm. It is. Um, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I can't remember. I know when watching one of them, I was like, oh wow. The cinematography, I feel like it's like I sound like I'm watching Citizen Kane. I feel like it like <laughs> kicked up a notch. Just yeah. the way they're setting up the shots. Um, all that that being said, though, whereas I enjoyed the two Tonys a lot, this one was it was fine. I know that it's the first episode that Matt. No, it was written by Matt Weiner, not the first episode he wrote, though, right? I think he's oh, written. I, I think he wrote the last one too. If I'm not. Yeah, mistaken. maybe. It yeah. So I know it was written by him. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it. It was good. It was fine. It right. wasn't my favorite episode or anything. It is. I I think you described it perfectly as as the 
forgettable episode that it was, in my opinion. Uh, I don't like, know if I'd call it forgettable, but yeah, it wasn't. I would say it's that, a solid you know, episode. Not not. It's a solid, not spectacular episode. Probably. Yeah. Oh no, of course. It didn't but, have the like, you know the f- finale of season four of it, course yeah there's a there's some episodes that have just so the emotion mm-hmm. the emotional drama is so intense and this one didn't really have that mm-hmm. sure uh last week's episode um you know the two tonys or two tonys i get it also confused with this one because you're like uh oh yeah this episode has two tonys in it mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, I, I definitely I had to rewatch it a couple of times to be like, what what happens? In, mm-hmm. in I did episode? too. So yeah. just you know, let's you know going down the line um, about what the different you know plots are. Uh, you know, we we start with an opening scene in which Tony meets uh, Jack Masserone at a diner. Uh, and Jack like hands him a painting of the Rat Pack, and they and they talk and he's also about wearing it. a hat that is like the kind of hat that looks like a snitch would be hiding a microphone yeah. underneath it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not fully on his head; it's like lifted up a little yeah. bit. And then yeah. he gives he, the world's worst excuse for it, where he says, "I just started the Rogaine," and yeah, like, yeah. Rogaine's a thing that is like a tonic that regrows your hair. It's not like hair plugs. Like it doesn't, you don't put Rogaine on your hair and then look different in any way. Right. I think Rogaine like makes your hair wet though. Yeah, maybe. Theoretically, he would have put it on in the morning. Maybe you have to like leave it. It's like leaving shampoo or something where it just i mean i don't know anything about leaving shampoo either i think it's just powder but you know it's like it, do you it, mean dry shampoo that's the one that's yeah. the one it's like a <laughs> spray yeah, okay it's listen i don't know things i what, think what, yeah i think i believe rogaine is some kind of liquid that you like you know mush into your hair i think you or just your sprinkle it on like in the morning and at night and it's uh blocks the hormone and then you grow hair but i don't think you have to like I don't think you have to style differently that I know. Of. Are you not only the president but also a member? <laughs> I mean, I would say clearly that everyone on this podcast has a nice, luscious, full set of hair, and mm. so we're we're just we don't know about this stuff. Yeah, right. But but meanwhile, I feel like that was uh like for Tony, that was an okay excuse. That just kind of went over with him, where he almost yeah. had this look like, "Well, I know that game," you know, <laughs> right? Uh, because he's obviously a a very very bald man, and his uh, hat was it wasn't that like the Museum of Science and Trucking, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind I, of funny. I actually and, didn't and, pick up on that. Yeah. I watched the episode twice, and the first first time I watched it, I was like, "Newark's most? What is that? I don't even know what that is." Even though Tony even says, "Hey, Museum of Science and Trucking," mm-hmm. the acronym didn't register in my brain, but. Yeah, That's but it, what little... it really meant was Newark's Most Wanted, Tony Soprano. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They everything... did an art. Yeah, double meaning. And Got by the look... way, when he yeah. gave him the Rat Pack painting, I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's why the episode's called Rat Pack. Like, not even mm-hmm. thinking about the other meaning. <laughs> yeah, that's the other Very. art they do. The second meaning in Rat, um, yeah. which is actually, come to think of it, a weird title for this, you know, band of... I don't know, doo-wop singers or whatever. I don't know what the Rat Pack did. Movie <laughs> yeah, stars. That's what they did. Yep, yep. They yeah. Played all, they sang, they the, sang doo-wop. They, they were the, like a barbershop trio. They played exactly. all the sock hops and the... Listen, I'm just saying, the, they were the Rat Pack, uh, but you you do wonder if like, you know, there Frank was some... Sinatra, famous, famous doo-wop. 
I don't listen. What I mean by doo-wop is Italian singing, you know? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, listen, that's not racist. There's opera and Uh there's doo-wop, and that's it. Yeah, doo-wop is short for doo-opera. Everyone knows that. Uh, But so you know, uh, so yeah. Anyways, the Rat Pack is a weird name. I wonder if you know there are some Guidos who maybe took uh, offense at that. But yeah. um, I love that when he gets the painting, he goes, "This is great," and I don't usually like modern modern yeah. art, which is uh, just a perfect uh, Tony Soprano line. Uh, of course, nothing has ever looked so much like a thing my dad would have in his house than that uh, painting. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, you wonder if it's a painting or a print. That was the other thing right. I was thinking. Oh, I'm of. sure it's, it's a print, like, but you know. this is a print. Like, and only in The Sopranos would that be considered like a fun gift, where he's like, "Oh, you got me a print. <laughs> this is nice. Hey, it had a frame on it. It's nice." Mm-hmm. No, sure, sure, but uh, it's like it's those little details of kind of like trashy suburban life mm-hmm. that makes The Sopranos uh, really funny. Um, it, remi- yeah. it immediately reminded me of, and maybe it's again because I've been watching every single night, but um, the painting that Tony has with the horse. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The the him and Pio Mai. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's this just is- um, there's like a recurring motif uh, in The Sopranos that a painting, if it's like Chekhov's painting, like it could never survive from. <laughs> being introduced until the end yeah. of the series it's always going to be like thrown in the river or burnt at some point they just can't in, do it in general tony has a really kind of adverse reaction to art anytime <laughs> he sees a painting he freaks out it's it's the funniest thing about it like remember when he saw uh, the painting in melfi's office i think it's in the first season where it's like he sees this like hollowed out tree and he just starts talking about it and how depressed it made him <laughs> like uh yeah he's he hostile just, to it yeah and then there was that one time he's in uh i think he's in melfi's office there too uh where he sees like a statue of just a naked woman with her titties out and mm. he's just staring at it and you could tell even then he's having like some sort of feelings and mm-hmm. it's not so much horny as it is like a confused yeah, art art fucks with his mind and uh I appreciate that about him because, you know, he reminds me of you, Vince. Mm, yeah, yeah. You, you also art. hate art. Um, yeah. But is that an indication of the writer's derision for these characters? I don't know if it's derision. Yeah. I think it... Yeah, it could... <laughs> or it is. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's... Uh, it Yeah, it could be seen as derision. I think it's supposed to be more so like they... Uh, they i think they're easily confused um they i think they they look at most things the way a dog looks at an answering machine uh <laughs> but like fucking instead of just like moving on there's like some some of them like tony soprano rage uh mm-hmm. when they don't understand something um so yeah i don't know there's just there's yeah it could be derision it's probably derision um so yeah, Tony gets that, uh, and uh, then we kind of get into Aid's storyline, uh, who is the second rat. There's that we also meet. well, yeah. There's a, there's one in between. There's the I think his name oh, Cur- Ray Curdo. Ray Curdo. Ray Curdo is just kind of like the rat that's off in the background and never really like. We found out he's a rat. I don't know how long ago, 
and last season sometime yeah I and it's kind of just it never really comes to a head it's just kind of like oh yeah that guy's he's working with the feds yeah uh, and to me ray curdo as as a snitch is the best snitch he's he is the the only mafia snitch who's making it part of his grift like mm. he, he like i uh, he oh, like and, trying to get stuff out of the feds, he tries right? to get stuff out of yeah. he's like well if i'm going to be snitching like he almost has no problem snitching as long as it like works in his favor in i some mean way. Whereas, you would think like as a as a people that are very like transactional in nature where like their whole thing is uh you know squeezing other people for money and sort of having a predatory lifestyle like the obvious like being a snitch seems like an obvious solution like the most the longest serving mobsters uh like are whitey, whitey bulger protected informants yeah. didn't go to prison until he was what like 80 something right yeah no i mean th- i think it is you know uh it's some of it is cunning uh i think in in, in ray curdo's case it is definitely like cu- cunning he's fantastic in fact i i have a clip of uh of ray curdo talking to the fbi so each one of you go out to your people on the street crack some fucking make some fucking orders out there so what's he saying the way i remember he said uh, that's why you got the top tier positions this other inaudible is crack fucking heads not legs <laughs> so what about my alan stewart shirt from that meeting <laughs> ralph cifaretto spilt my coffee and ruined it I can petty cash it, resubmit, okay? I like the idea of just, like, being able to expense, uh, you know, the the jacket you ruined because Chrissy, like, (laughs) ashed his cigarette on it at the nightclub or something. Yes, yes, that is... I just love that about Ray Curdo being an informant is that he's just like, you know, hey, I can get a few new shirts out of the deal, <laughs> you know, maybe get some dry cleaning bills taken care of. Like he's living high on the hog on the FBI dime. And I think that's the way to go about it. Whereas poor Adriana, who is she's she's not doing that because she's not a bad person. You know, yeah. she's not making the FBI work for her in any way. She feels absolutely cornered by, you know, uh, you know, having to having well, to snitch. Yeah. Well, it's also it's like the worst thing you can do is buy into their sort of bullshit mythology about like, you know, family's most important and snitching is is bad. And like all of that is just a system of control. And if you're Ray Curto, like you just kind of throw it out the window and uh you know you're you're not the free rider in that problem you're using the bullshit to control your own destiny whereas like adriana has not figured that out yet and uh she's bought into everyone's shit like she thinks that christopher is you know she's she's trying she's being loyal to this guy based on what he says and not any of his actual actions, actions. and uh yeah and she has not figured any of it out in yeah. time for herself yeah characters have been talking about got to do things for yourself and that's what ray curdo's doing yeah <laughs> yeah he he gets it he understands that this is like you know this is just another means for ill-gotten gains you mm-hmm. know and uh is, and adrian yeah. is adriana what? like the first sort of tragic character in this show that you like feel genuinely uh sorry I mean, they're, for they're, 
they're all tragic. I mean, I right. think the, the the first one was uh But she's the, is she the only one that you're like you're like rooting I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of rooting for her to figure this out somehow even though I mm-hmm. know she won't. And I don't know that it, that I've ever done that with any other character in the show. Yeah. I mean, uh, for sure she I was is, rooting for Piomai. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, we all were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pai, oh my, Pai was such a good horse. Ran mm-hmm. so fast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, I also felt uh, similar to the stripper, um, mm, you yeah. know, uh, that Ralphie kills. And yeah, yeah Tracy, you know, like w- with her, it was is kind of the same thing, but just like, you know, a miniaturized version of it where you're just like, uh, I was rooting for her the second she like, you know, uh, talked a bunch of shit to Ralph and like made him mm. look a fool in front of all of his friends. And it immediately led to her death, you know? <laughs> right. So it's kind of like, this feels, this feels like you're watching a prolonged version of that. And you're just going like, God, I hope she can figure this out. And you don't know if she's gonna, um, I, uh, yeah. Another thing that I love that they do in this episode is, um, like clearly the FBI has this sort of, predatory relationship with uh adriana and Uh like it'd be easy i feel like whenever we think about bad things we tend to assign them more like organization than they actually have like we tend to think of them as like uh like this malevolent force that's like controlling everything whereas Mm -hmm. like in this like the fbi that's controlling adriana is really represented by these people that are all petty and shitty Uh and and then like her actual handler telling that story about like you're on the good guys team now it's so perfectly diluted in the way that i think you would sort of maybe have to be to uh be in the fbi yeah it is the most contrived fucking story ever it is she's like she tells a story about like because up until that moment you kind of think like oh she's just saying what she needs to say to play adriana but in that moment you're like oh no she's actually like played herself in all of this too yeah yeah, the FBI agent herself got into being in the FBI because some dipshit was playing with a gun uh, that misfired and like paralyzed her sister or something like that. Yeah. Or, and uh, and she's, you know, to me, I was like, this is either the fakest story ever that she's just trying to like convince Adriana she's on the good guy team or or, or whatnot. Or like, yeah, this is just this is just some something that actually happened that somehow uh, led to her getting into the FBI. It just like, it well, didn't that really was the track. moment She decided that there are teams and that's why like, yeah, yeah. That's what she told herself to get into the FBI. But obviously it has like, no, it couldn't have less relevance to Adriana's life. Right. And yeah. I think ratcheting up the tragedy of, <clears throat> excuse me, Adriana is she's looking for emotional connection from this woman who's like, got none <laughs> yeah. yeah no she's looking for the yeah she's looking for a human connection and this woman tells like a cheesy after school special uh story of like about Gun why you shouldn't do story. drugs yeah. and it's yeah. like okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah it, it it really is like the most after school special ass story that somehow leads to like you know i i knew i had to put away dipshits like like that who do gun accidents and uh it it led me to uh a life of planting wires at uh, the naacp you know (laughs) just like like, i don't know how you match those together but cool um and of course you know adriana 
buys into it completely. She starts t- crying and, you know, she's like, yeah, there's good guys and bad guys well, in she's, this world. She realizes. Wait, that, you think. Yeah. So, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I mean, I just, I think she realizes that she has already screwed up and there's no way back. Like there's no place for her at this point because no matter how, like she can't back out of having talked to the FBI because she's already done it. So right. she's already a traitor. And then there's no one at the FBI that she can sort of connect with. There's no tribe for her at this point. Yeah. Like obviously yeah, the that F- was, yeah. that was my read on her emotion then was just feeling really alienated. Like, yeah. Oh God, I a typical I, Gen X. She doesn't agree about the FBI. <laughs> typical Gen X to talk about alienation. <laughs> No, but I mean, no, I think that's right. She, she, there's no place for her. There's no place for her, you know, within, obviously within the FBI, she can't connect emotionally there. You know, uh, she doesn't like these people aren't her friends. She's not fooled herself into thinking that she's an FBI agent, like other, uh, you know, uh, collaborators with the FBI in the past. And she's also, you know, feels totally out of place and and feels you know uh, like she's not enough of a sociopath to treat uh all of her like mafia family like uh like pawns to uh, like pawns exactly she doesn't know how to she hasn't figured that out yet and she's never been a game player and that's that's the tragic thing about it it's like yeah because she's not bad because she's not in organized crime that's how i feel when i'm playing scrabble you know it's like the other people are going for the word scores they're all looking at the points and I, you know i just want to make the words out of the letters and i'm not thinking uh-huh. about what's going to be a triple word score or whatever yeah. and that's why i always lose because i think my heart is too pure yeah you're yeah. too pure dude you're not a yeah. game player that's when right. i'm playing poker i'm always just like ooh, can i get matches <laughs> with cards you know and it's like sometimes it's more than that and i just don't want to have to go there mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, whereas when i'm like playing monopoly i'm just like uh why don't why do i not simply steal the bank and leave the house mm. Ooh. you know yeah i can like literally take all of the paper money and run yeah. and i've won the game thinking and people outside don't. of the deposit box i don't know i mean i just have all the the dollars so who so who's really the winner that's right you know? yeah get rob that the bag. bank exactly get that bag that's that's how i choose to live my life because i am a sociopath um but yeah uh you you see adriana stuck in this terrible situation meanwhile um you know she's dealing with uh, a new character for us on the sopranos tina mm-hmm. um which this episode focuses a lot on um but her best her maid of honor yeah this new character who's her maid of honor she ain't no yeah. maid <laughs> she, she, she ain't no maid uh yeah i mean like i think a lot of that is because like Adriana doesn't really have friends, you know, mm-hmm. like like she's in this incredibly abusive relationship with Chris uh, Moltisante and like Chrissy has isolated her from people, uh, from anyone who would be outside of how, the How inner grim circle. was that glimpse into their nightlife? Like that was oh. just the, yeah, that was the him darkest ju- thing. Him where- just yelling at her about the fact that she drinks and he can't. Yeah. Well, even, yeah, and even before that, they're out with like these they're out with this guy oh, and they yes. make like the worst world's worst joke about well first of all it's like tina bragging about her waxing and then two dudes making shitty jokes about it 
Uh, yes. Being like, yeah, right now, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm hey, talking about. Hey, this I guy. like pussy. <laughs> uh, sometimes I fuck pussy. Oh, actually, I have a, I have a clip of that. Okay, what's that one called? It's called Tina is hot. That's cool. Wine for eight. It's another apple martini for you. Thank you, my dear. My seven and seven, and uh, nothing and nothing. Don't listen to him, Chrissy. I think what you're doing is brave. It's not for everybody. Things are different when you don't have that crutch, you know? We make up for it other ways. So what does she mean there? We make up for it in other ways. Like she's trying to low key imply that they have sex, which I am positive they don't. <laughs> Is that just like the basic sixth grade thing where it's like, yeah, we may not drink, but we're having so much sex that it doesn't matter. I, I and also like wild sex was the intimation I thought. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I think it's supposed to be like, oh, don't worry about us, <laughs> all right? <laughs> we, the, he doesn't drink, but uh, that means he can get hard. But then, of course, you see them at the next scene, and there's no sex happening. It's just a lot of yelling. It always feels uh, very desperate when like people that have been in a relationship for years are like bragging about their sex life. Oh yeah. Yes. Like yeah, ooh, good it is, for you, I guess. Yeah. 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 It it's is also gross. Yeah, yeah. No. It's like I, I don't know. I, I, that, I, does that make me like sex negative? Like whenever people that are. No, you I know. feel uncomfortable because I'm like, I know that there's there's a reason you're telling me this. It's yeah. like when someone you ask someone you haven't seen in a while how they're doing and they just start naming jobs <laughs> and you're you're just like, okay, cool, man. Hell yeah. And they're just, yeah, no, it's pretty good, dude. Actually, I mean, uh, I, you know, I <laughs> got this moves. one part. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. I mean, you know, I just was like, what's up? I didn't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very similar uh, situation. I think she's clearly overcompensating, and also I think trying to like you know make Chrissy feel better about the mm-hmm. fact, like, hey, remember Chrissy? Just because you don't drink doesn't mean that you know we can't still have fun and make up for it in other ways. I.e., butt sex. Yeah, I, yeah, your yeah, wife. yeah, definitely butt stuff. Definitely butt stuff. <laughs> <sighs> My God, it's hot in here. What do you expect? You're dancing in a mink coat. It's fox. She's my box in a box. <laughs> Let's see her box. Or maybe her socks. <laughs> Stupid. Well, I have to wear fur on the outside on account of being bare everywhere else. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she got a pussy. I mean, you know, they... Uh, I, I, she's definitely um, kind gross. of gross. She's definitely gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. one of those people who's like, I'm not like those other girls, you know. Uh, <laughs> those she, other girls who have pubic hair. Yeah, those other. Yeah, exactly. I'm not like them. I shave it all. Uh, yeah, and the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's, you know, she's definitely, and throughout this episode, Tina is taking liberties in front of Adriana mm-hmm. that I'm just like, damn, Aid, everyone in your life is just trying to get theirs. And, she, you know, Adriana sees this and I think it's just like, you know, she's so uh, conflicted about it because she's just like, she's the only one who just wants to fucking be a normal person. <laughs> you know, it's very sad. Um Tony Blundetto also wants to be a regular person. That yeah. is great. He wants Did to you just give... do... Oh yeah. Did you just do a beautiful segue for us? Mm-hmm. That is, you are the best guest we've ever had. I guess I did. Well, I actually call myself the queen of segues on my show. That well, that was an incredible segue. You just, but I mean, that one was actually good, and mine are bad, which is why I call myself that. But yes, uh, fair, fair. Yeah. But that was actually really good because yes, Tony Blundetto also wants to live a normal life and to get into that storyline real quick um so tony finds out obviously we learn in the last episode that tony blundetto has been released from prison along with a bunch of other people uh who you know were put away uh in the 90s and 80s um and tony goes over to visit tony b and uh they have this uh beautiful interaction I like uh, Tony B's mom because you can really feel that the writers <laughs> were really itching to write some more old Italian lady jokes yes. and uh, yes. and like they couldn't do it after Olivia died and they're like, ah, we need to introduce another lady yeah. who hates curse words and people playing with <laughs> their doorbell. Yeah, yeah. We need someone else who's going to treat full-grown men as children. Uh, yeah. And um, when we see Tony B, he is wearing the most, like, uh, Miami Vice-ass, like, fucking, you know, he's got the the jacket with the arms uh, rolled up. It's, like, tan or whatever. And uh, it's clear uh, the time frame, like, when he went away. Um, and then he is uh, he's greeted... 
uh, by Tony, who immediately is, you know, saying, you know, I haven't changed a bit, which uh, comes into play later. Uh, the fact that like Tony B sees him say, you know, hey, I haven't changed. Right. The implication being like, look how fucking fat I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Tony B is just looking at him in silence and it's just like, uh, and then he's like, yeah, you look good. You look good. They, they both laugh it off because clearly he's gotten fat. Do you have a reaction that, like, in my mind, like, I thought of uh, James Gandolfini as being, like, sort of morbidly obese, and then I uh-huh. and then I go back and watch the show, and then I'm kind of like, ah, it doesn't look that bad. I had that reaction when I started watching season four. Like, oh, he's more trim, which is not really a word I would use to describe him, but right. he's trimmer than I, my memory of him. Yeah, like, he's got a gut, but you're like, oh, I'd have thought, I thought he was, like, really fat and out of shape, but he kind of just looks like he's got, like... You know, some dad bod thing going on. But I he, think maybe yeah. he is getting. Did he get heavier between season four and five? I I assume so because there's uh, I think a two year difference between mm-hmm. season four and five. So I assume that they're kind of making a statement about the fact that you know that this actor um, and character have you know gained a lot of weight but also the fact that like he's clearly gained weight between whenever the hell tony b went away and uh and and right now um but yeah no it's very weird gandolfini is uh is fat i get that he's fat but i don't process in my mind i don't see him as a fat person which and that's not to like you know say that you know everyone else is a fat person and he's he's not like special or anything like that i mean i'm just saying i for some reason i don't uh i don't see that even to the point where i recently saw that movie enough said um with uh james gandolfini and um uh julia louis dreyfus it was Mm -hmm. like this romantic comedy he did before he died um and the whole movie is about how julia louis dreyfus is dating a fat guy um and uh and i remember just watching it and being like oh, yeah i guess he's fat but i don't see it as like he's not cartoonishly fat yeah well i know? mean like i think in my head he was the kind of fat that like bobby bacala or Vito are like they're kind right. of they're kind of just straight up fat guys whereas he's yeah. kind of like you know he's he's put on some weight but he clearly doesn't look like he's been fat like his entire life kind of thing looks like he yeah, he's husky. He looks like he yeah, has muscle mass too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I don't know. He's just a wide man. You know, he's 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 not fat. He is uh, he's a wide American, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I I believe he's beautiful. Yeah, he's Sicilian husky again. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so uh, then we get to uh, the surprise party. I mean, Tony B's storyline in this is very interesting because you see him kind of like uh walking through having to do the most awkward uh you know like meet and greets with people where uh you know they're they're all trying to tell him you know hey welcome back to this life of ours and he's just you can see in his eyes that he is just so detached from it and it's not until he sits down with tony who has all of these plans for him all of this like you know oh man when you get back you know we're gonna we're gonna i it's gonna your brains and my brawn together we're (laughs) gonna be like the dream team and uh and then you know it turns out that that is not the life that tony b uh wants yeah my uh, my take was that it uh he seems 
to like prison uh soured him on pecking orders forever and yeah uh, and then this he goes back into this mafia environment that's all like pure hierarchy and he's like yeah i don't feel like doing this but right feach gives him that envelope of cash i thought maybe that was suggesting that he is part of this all yeah, yeah, I, I think like the assumption. Not. I think the okay. assumption was at least in Feach's end was like you're out, so you hit the ground running. He literally mm-hmm. says to him, "Yeah, you, know, you just hit the ground running, never look back." And so I'm not sure what the mafia etiquette is with envelopes. Is like, <laughs> is that a loan? Uh, I I imagine that that is just like a like a gift. Like mm-hmm. uh, this is something you do for if you're like if you have honor and respect. Like, you know, he's old school, so he's going to give a guy who just came out of prison, even though, you know, Feech is not a captain or anything, uh, like he's going to give him some money to be like, hey, you know, uh, it's basically his version of like, yeah, but uh, we make up for it in other ways. Like he's bragging. (laughs) Yeah. You know, my favorite. Yeah. Like my favorite moment in that whole sequence uh, at the at the party, the getting back the together party, party whatever you call yeah. it i mean it was not a surprise because he knew what was happening but uh yeah. is is when they go see Artie, <laughs> and tony tries to catch tony b up on you know what's happened since he went away and yeah. he says uh you know i loaned the guy some money and then he tried to kill himself and guess who got the blame like, <laughs> like oh yeah that old story <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly you like, know sometimes oh. uh you loan a guy some money and uh he doesn't want to pay the vig and he tries to kill himself and then he blames yeah. you for it no good yeah. deed yeah we've all been there <laughs> yeah uh, like tony trying to catch tony b up on stuff is is some of my favorite content in this uh episode like you know he's trying to catch him up on his divorce he's like yeah when you're separated you have to make an appointment to see your own family (laughs) and like you know and meanwhile like tony uh tony b you know people are asking like oh how's your daughter and just nothing but silence right you know yeah i think it's similar um to like the adriana storyline and uh, and the next episode is more directly about this but i think like all of this the crew uh they seem to have like this idea of being in the mafia that comes from like the godfather where you're like this yes. respected member of the community and like you do favors for people like in their mind they're just like going around doing favors for people and showering their respect on others and other people like uh are, ha- are have gratitude towards them for it when in reality it's like they're just they're going around and like chiseling people and taking like a cut of random things right. that aren't theirs um and so like that that's the sort of the lone story where like it seems like tony in his mind actually thought that he was doing uh arty buco a favor by trapping him in like a predatory uh loan situation yeah yeah i love the idea of like the imf getting really butt hurt (laughs) when countries get mad at them and just like wow you try to do someone a favor by stimulating their economy and getting them in an unending debt spiral and they uh they spit in your face yeah yeah how do they pay you but how do they repay you by electing a a mildly leftist leader that you have to assassinate later did they wrap up that loan thing with Artie? Was it this, just that they were going to wipe the tab clean? And is yeah. that it? Yeah. He it? Want, he, yeah. He, as a secretly, he was basically like, no one's going to know. Don't ever say 
you know, oh, I, yeah. he said, I didn't give you shit, uh, you know, uh, so he's wiping his tab clean completely mm-hmm. and pretending, you know, so that nobody knows that he ever did that. Right. Know? Yeah. He's assuming he's assuming Artie's collection, which means he's like making points on the original loan. Uh, meanwhile, he's forgiving Artie's debt uh, based on like the $6,000 worth of free restaurant food that he just right. assumed that he deserved from Artie's restaurant and says, ah, call it even. I'm a nice guy, right? Yeah, right. After he tried to kill himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Tony B reveals that uh, all he really wants in life is to uh, do massages, uh, <laughs> which is uh, kind of, it's to me, is such a fantastic direction for a character in the sopranos like it's so out of left field uh just the idea of this like ex mobster who turned to massage therapy to change his life Mm -hmm. uh it's just i don't know it's very creative i i just i've always loved it because there's something about uh the the straight life that is always kind of you know portrayed as like oh you know this guy became an accountant or like because usually the path would be like he's going to go into like private security or Mm -hmm. he's going to go into like you know something where he can still feel like a badass but that's never been tony b's thing i think i don't think being a badass is necessarily just that rooted in his blood maybe and so he's like no i'm actually a really tender guy (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's part of like the central conflict of the sopranos which is like these mob guys who are married to this uh like 1920s idea of like masculinity and uh and just lifestyle in general uh and then putting them in like the late 90s early 2000s and making them have to also be like uh you know sensitive upwardly mobile suburb suburbanites it's like that would dabble right. in things like uh massage or psychotherapy or having yeah. a sister who names herself parvati yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be interesting if he was also you know i got really good at reading tarot cards while i was in the can and uh <laughs> i've decided to open a psychic shop like you know it's very it's in uh it, it's in that yeah. weird like if this if this came out now he'd be like selling essential oils and uh and like telling like crystals. giving yeah, yeah giving tony crystals and tell him how to recharge them in the moonlight or whatever yeah right and meanwhile fucking like <laughs> chrissy would have gotten really into crypto uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to do crypto scams with computers hey don't uh, dogecoin I, <laughs> I am surprised at how many people like unexpectedly are into crypto. I don't, I don't yeah. mean I'm surprised at the popularity of crypto. I mean, I mean of people I know, I'm surprised who it turns out is all into crypto. And I don't even understand what it means to be into crypto. I don't like what, what is this path? I, I think, think like on just, a base level, it's just like they're playing blackjack. Cause it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's your buying. It's like buying stocks that, uh, are, you gamble with the entire thing real fast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, a, I think it's our generation's, uh, stock market, you know, like it's like day trade, like, like ba- probably around, around the time this episode came out. Yeah. I found out that one of my friends was doing a lot of day trading. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Like it's, it's our, it's our generation's day traders because it's like, it's, uh looking at the stock market and going like uh 
you know, yeah, you know, you put some money in that, you know, you might, you're going to get some return, right. you know, in the next 15 years, but I'm trying to get rich tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's a mass get rich quick scheme that uh, I'm certain is going to work out for the best for the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? I can't see anything going wrong with it. So, you know, buy your crypto now. So I guess the reason it becomes something that they're, they get super into is because for it to work the way they want it, they put their money in it and then have to like watch it constantly. Yeah, it's like yeah, they're at a horse yeah. race. They're like, oh, I got a good feeling about got this it. horse. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, look, there it is. Look, see, it's turning the corner. I told you he's a closer. <laughs> yeah, it gives you it gives you an app to open up uh, every day and right. go like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> and then And then when you're not, it's bad. Not that I have any. Anyways... <laughs> this you know we don't need to talk about crypto too much the one thing, um, the one thing i forgot to bring up was uh tony b's uh lost juggalo daughter like <laughs> that oh, you just see oh, yeah. like a picture of and she's got like an anarchy shirt and face paint and uh and the grandmother's just like, oh yeah, she's lost. She's lost to us lost now. Forever. <laughs> I, yeah, I I feel. I, I yeah. I love that she's lost to us now. We can't talk to looking... her now. She's she's down with the sickness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's a, she's a roadie for Mudvayne right now, um, but yeah, no, I, I I look at her and I go like, man, in in another universe of this show, her and AJ get together, you oh, know, yeah. like yeah. In, in in the universe in which Tony B actually never gets caught and doesn't go to prison, they are married. She should sure. be to AJ what Jackie Junior was to Meadow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It would have been. It would have been wonderful, but uh, alas, she is lost to us. Um, and uh, yeah, Tony has to deal with the fact that um, fucking, you know, uh, that Tony B doesn't want to fucking be in there anymore. And uh, meanwhile, uh, he learns uh, from uh, Patty Parisi that, uh, you know, uh, Masserone might have been being watched by the FBI. So they're trying to figure out whether or not Masterone is a snitch. Which is a little disappointing because you'd think that <clears throat> Tony would have better snitch radar than... Uh, like, oh, I that's mean, as the soon best as, part. As that's soon as my, my favorite, favorite scene. That's yeah. my favorite thing in this show was it was the, the uh, lack of snitch radar. I actually, I have, a, I have a clip of that sequence. Tell you, I'm having a fucking time. Stay out late, come home drunk, fuck anyone I want. <laughs> Yeah, so what's the difference? <laughs> I don't know. It's a mindset. That's my favorite line in the whole episode. <laughs> what's the difference? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a mindset. <laughs> like, you mean, yeah, you mean it's there's no guilt involved in it. You yeah. don't have to think and and constantly scheme uh fucking, you know, all of your affairs. But he's bullshitting, right? That that was my read on it. Yeah. He's bullshitting about what a grand old time he's having. No, he's for doing. Sure. Exa- yeah. He's doing. It's another fucking. Uh, you know. Oh, you know. We 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 do other things. You know. It's yeah. like again. It's it's people just projecting this fucking lifestyle. You know. He's projecting that he's fucking all the time when really he's just been stalking Melfi for <laughs> right. the last twenty four hours. Jesus Christ! Home. I was hoping you'd be here. I gotta tell you. You shouldn't go out and eat up there in Fairfield no more. The fuck are you talking about? I went to collect for my cop up there, and he gave me a heads up. His buddy on the force saw some car out by Napoleon's diner a couple of weeks ago. And I remembered how your gumad lives up there. Yeah? 
I thought maybe they were fags, but he ran the plate. <laughs> and it bounced back and no hit. Smash so wrong. What do you want to do? I want to be absolutely fucking sure. That's what I want to do. All right, we arrange a meet. I'll feel him out a little bit. My old man was very good at vibing people out, too. Mascarone's up to something? I'll pick it up. Later that same evening. You weren't followed here, were you? <laughs> no, I, I I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty careful. You couldn't tell shit. What the <laughs> fuck am I, a mind reader? <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's so fucking funny. Like, the fact that he's, it's like, uh, it's it's straight dudes and gaydar is the same vibe. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, I, I think I'll know who's gay. And then they, uh, you, whenever they find out their friend is gay, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had no idea. It's like, man, you guys fucking. Anyways, I, I, well, I, I love I, that. I just love how deluded he is because Sill suggests that he does the meet or they do it. And then Tony's like, no, no, it should be me because my old man was so good at it. I'll know. And yeah. already it's like, but you just met with him and nothing ticked <laughs> right, you off. So right. what's going to be yeah. different this time? I yeah. love that. There's also the other level of like, <clears throat> he didn't notice when. Uh, Masseron complimented his weight like at the time it didn't occur to him that he was full of shit until he like thought about it later like at the time right. it just went right over his head like oh yeah of course that, the guy is telling me I lost weight that that's the the straw that ends up breaking the camel's back from that's when he's he decides that Masseron uh most likely is a snitch um, or at least it's the biggest clue, which kind of harkens back to uh, Tony B's silence after he makes the joke. Like, I haven't changed a bit. Like, Tony B just kind of stares at him. Mm -hmm. So, like, Tony B is being honest with that stare. Whereas, like, you know, the other one's like, hey, have you lost any weight? And he realizes that might be a tell. But literally, his entire interrogation was, uh, hey, uh, you noticed... Uh, any FBI around anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> like the worst. Yeah. I have the a worst. question for you mm -hmm. guys. So Mas so during the time that they're meeting and Tony's vi supposedly vibing him, Masserone <laughs> says, I don't like what I'm hearing. And then Tony touches the hat and says, relax. But what was, what was that? A like, what was Masserone talking about? What did, how did you interpret that? I, that kind of I flew right over my head at the time. Yeah, I yeah, I I uh, both times uh, for uh, I rewatched it, I um kind of pieced together that he in saying I don't like what I'm hearing, he's kind of talking about like you weren't followed here and what like he's kind of like I don't like the idea that, you know, what I'm hearing is Oh, uh, whether like, I don't or not like what well. I'm hearing from you, your concerns. Oh. Right. Yeah. And I oh. and, and I also think it could be i think he might have left it intentionally vague to be like uh to to get tony to be like you know hearing about what about the x crime that we're doing like trying to get him to say something on tape Got i think he's it. yeah he's still he's still working him he's still trying to get him to say something that was Got my it. guess my, that makes sense my question is like if if they did this show in 2021 do you think they would get away with so many like fat references and like fat jokes and things hinging on uh, people's fatness? No. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, I, I just, I don't know uh, exactly what would change, uh, but I, uh, no, no, no. I mean, 
I, I, then again, what? He's he's a he's a fat guy. It's it's he's gonna talk about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. But anytime people make fun of, not anytime, but mm-hmm. there's a pushback against making fun of Trump for his weight. Like, there's lots of things wrong with him. Why must we make fun of his weight? So yeah, you might Which, get some of that. I always found the most ridiculous thing to say. And it's just because it's like, because I know it hurts his feelings Mm -hmm. more than anything because he literally wears shoes to make himself look less fat. Right. Like, like, because it's the thing that will hurt him. Uh, Yeah. I've, I've never fully understood people being like, you know, don't mention his appearance. And I'm like, his appearance is one of the funniest parts about him. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the um, thing that matters most to him, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. That's all he cares about. He's a TV guy. Um, but yeah, uh, Tony can't tell shit. And so he ends up staring at the painting for a while, uh, calling up Tony B to be like, we're still friends, right? You know, after at like he, three in the morning or four in the morning, right? Yeah. He calls <laughs> him. Yeah. Four in the morning to shoot the shit about, you know, fucking you know, hey, we can still talk and be friends. Just don't tell me I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, which is in the scene after he's giving massages to everyone in the crew, which everyone at Satriel sitting around getting massages from Tony B and having Tony walk in on it and be like, what what is this, a fucking slumber party? (laughs) I I like that Tony's mad because like, like i can't believe you guys are in here getting massages instead of playing cards in the back room of a strip club like you're supposed to be doing yeah right. well they're at the pork store they're at satrial <laughs> yes, you know yeah. it's like listen we're supposed to be a bunch of men surrounded by various cold cuts and playing <laughs> poker for money <laughs> you know yeah you nothing- should be out front checking license plates to see if they're from other states <laughs> yeah exactly you should be betting on petty shit not you know fucking fixing each other's sciatica uh, but uh yeah no to- i mean for tony that i i because think immediately makes him feel terrible it's unmanly to make your friends feel better it's manly to take their money and uh, be mean to them yeah that's you know first you get your friend's money then you get the power then you <laughs> then you get the massage that's, that's right. how it works but Scarface. he makes a Tony B makes a crack about having been in the pr- in prison. He knows how to ease men's tensions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that scene is great because Tony B. Uh, he may have lost like the killer instinct to like actually want to do crime and stuff like that, but he hasn't lost like the gift of gab. Well, it's like I had. think he's lost the ability to play along with the facade. Like he's been to mm-hmm. prison and he doesn't need to put up with this like phony shit that they're doing anymore no true but he is he is able to uh like interact he's able to like crack jokes he says uh oh i i uh come to the pork store and i'm surrounded by dudes beating, beating, their, beating meat. their meat yeah. yeah yeah and then uh and he says you know deal the cards they're not candy bars you don't have to hold on to them and, <laughs> right and he asks he asks uh polly uh, whether he has to wait for it to dry to, before he puts on another coat yeah. yeah, and then yeah. he says, "Look at Herman Munster over here, or Grandpa yeah. Munster." Yeah. yeah, he's doing a lot of snaps. He's like, he's like Don Rickles over here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and like Sill just keeps going. Oh, oh. he <laughs> yeah. still got oh, it. Hey. <laughs> hey, and so I feel like you know he doesn't mind being self-effacing and saying, "Hey, yeah, in prison, I learned how to ease men's tension," because he's like, he's not fucking ashamed. He's like you said, Vince. He's not going to put up the the facade. 
He's not going to pretend like, you know, he isn't giving everyone a massage right now. He knows how to not only ease, like literally ease the tension in someone's back, but how to like ease the tension of being a man who is doing something intimate and tender with another man. Like he's, he's got that ability. I thought, okay, tell me if this was your read on it though. My read on it is that Tony is like enough of this gay shit. There's yes. something too like sissy about this. My words are uh, problematic. I get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. agreeing with it. This is no, what no. Tony's yeah, you're thinking. saying as as Tony. Yes. Yeah, and then and then um, Tony B makes that crack though. Having been in prison, I know something about easy men's tensions, which then makes you the audience wonder did did he do you know what tony would consider gay shit in prison right it like it intenses the homo it intensifies the homoerotic element of it to me i i that's right i think i think it does but i think he says it in an attempt to de-escalate the situation yeah you know i think he's he's doing he's doing a bit of gay chicken where he's like yeah uh if you think this is gay maybe it's because you're gay Mm. No, I don't. I don't think he's doing that. No, I think no. I think what he's saying is like Tony is going in there, basically inferring like, "Yo, this is some gay shit you're doing at the pork store," and uh, <laughs> and uh, no gayness at the pork store, please. Uh, and uh, and like he's trying to like deescalate and kind of like ease break the tension of that like implied charge by saying you know yeah if you think this is gay you should see some of the gay shit that i did in prison like trying to make a joke he's making a joke out of it he wants to get a laugh and then tony doesn't let up he just gets more homophobic about it you know this is a place of business uh not a place of jizzness uh-huh. and uh <laughs> yeah, yes and then uh, that's what he yeah and and then he you know says oh you is someone wo- woke up on the wrong side of the bed and then of course he freaks out and yeah. he says it's none of your fucking business which side of the bed i woke up on <laughs> which is i love i love that so much but all is forgiven in the end he you know calls him up says we can still joke around <laughs> just uh you know don't uh, belittle me and call me fat in front of the other dudes which i think is fair you know because he's still the boss of the family and he has to keep up appearances um he's a man of respect yeah he is he is a man of respect the one person he doesn't respect very much and this is the final storyline uh of the episode uh is carmella who uh, Carmela is currently trying to live her life as a single woman uh, by having a bunch of screenings of uh, <laughs> they're trying to do a, a ladies movie night, which uh, I fucking love more than anything. Uh, Guido movie night mm-hmm. <laughs> with with all the gals. Um, they they get together to uh, watch Citizen Kane. Uh, and there's this great scene where, where they're all stopping and staring at the FBI warning logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like this ominous thing that's just like staring at them. Uh, and then they watch it and they have what I would consider um, kind of a version of this podcast in miniature <laughs> uh, where they they are supposed to discuss Citizen Kane but end up gossiping instead, which is basically what we do here. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a, I have a clip of that. Wow. So 
was a sweat, huh? You should have told somebody. I think it's fascinating <laughs> that the man had all that stuff, but he died, you know, alone with nothing and nobody. Good prick. <laughs> I hated it. You supply the war, I'll supply the headlines. How conceited. <laughs> there was a cinematography. Yeah, that was very good. Oh, my God. What? I saw Laura Bazzi in the dressing room at Lomans. Definitely had some work. <laughs> D cup, at least, and a lift. Well, she said she was remodeling her upstairs, but I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that so much. Like, the cinematography, everyone just nodding their head. Yep, yep. I know what uh -huh. that means. <laughs> I understand that's a word in film. Mm, and the then compositions and the <laughs> blocking and the mm -hmm. mise-en-scene. The focus. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of the you know the sound mix <laughs> yeah and then they're like hey you know that uh woman who's our friend <laughs> her tits are too fat and they're all high-fiving like it is it's an amazing scene just watching them immediately transition to gossip and uh and yeah um of course uh you know adriana is kind of taking offense to that or you know the the idea that they're all talking shit and whatnot and you know then it leads to the scene where she's talking to the fbi and all that stuff and then tony steals um all of the av equipment in the house um because uh such it's, a perfect you know, petty divorce guy thing to do yes yes so, like suburban divorce dad shit <laughs> right there just like that was for families, not for you and your girlfriends not to for get to your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that is so fucking petty. And uh, you know, they don't let that stop them because uh they don't care about movies. They mostly just want to get together. Um and of course Adriana has an absolute freak out where uh Ro is telling her at this second get together, they're all getting wine drunk and uh Roe is just laying it on real thick about how snitches get stitches. And uh Well, because Adriana asks why um why Angie pussy, Bomp and Sari right. like how come she doesn't come around? I thought everyone liked her. Yeah, exactly. Which is like they never really address the fact that uh the wives are the wives are blamed for whatever their husbands do and like that that is part yeah. of the, that the husband's yeah. sin. He didn't even take his wife in their mythology, he didn't even take his wife with him into uh, witness protection, but she's still guilty by association. Right. Yeah, it is. It's it's very strange, and it actually leads me to a question that I had for uh, this entire episode. Um, you know, in this moment, in this scene, Adriana has this freakout and is like about to reveal to all of them. You know, she's I'm not who you think I am, and she she wants to say. You know, I'm talking to the FBI right now and explain herself and what. But instead, she runs away and she trips, which is just the fucking saddest <laughs> fall ever because it sounds like it hurt. But like, I do wonder, like, had she been straightforward in that moment? Had she told all of the girls at wine night, like the entire story, the FBI cornered me. They have stuff on me. And they're making me talk to them. I'm not giving them anything or whatnot, but I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, are they going to kill me? Like, what would happen? Because she would die part, immediately. I, I don't no. think the women would be sympathetic. 
I, I'm not sure though, because here's the thing. Well, they the might entire- be sympathetic in the moment and then one of them would let it slip yeah. to one of their husbands and then Adriana would get whacked. But I, I think I, in that world, being a rat is so um, odious. I, it's like I, the worst. I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I, that, that is most likely what would happen. But there's part of me that thinks this. It, like, like you were saying, Vince, they need to build a narrative where Pussy Bombancero is in fucking, uh, you know, witness protection, right? Uh, in order to be like, yeah, he's in witness protection. He's alive, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, our husbands aren't evil. They would never murder, you know? In their heads, they'll, like, they like they have to have this narrative in which like their husbands are innocent, put upon people, you know, who are backed in the corners and stuff like that, but not not murderers. Yeah, um, but I think... And in this case, if she tells everyone, listen, I'm talking to the FBI, I don't know what to do, and then they talk her through it, if they if they were to sit there and be sympathetic and say, um, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna either you know wait for Tony to get home or uh, you know we're gonna but I, I, I'm just, yeah I'm thinking out loud here like part of me goes like this I, is fan fiction I don't think yeah this is fan fiction for sure but I think they would know that one of their husbands would would be killing her and they would preempt the any guilt that they would feel for that by immediately making it. Uh, Adriana's fault like she would become yeah that's she would become the bad person because she is the one that makes them acknowledge that their husbands kill people because remember Roe said at least Judas had the good sense to hang himself he didn't go into the apostle protection program so I think the intimation is you should kill yourself if you find yourself in this position yeah Yeah. or like just go to jail and do time for your whatever bag of cocaine that they planted on you right yeah i guess i guess there, I, so I i keep putting myself into adriana's shoes because i'm the exact type of per i would be adriana if i were caught up by the police like i would i wouldn't know what to do and wouldn't like, we all yeah I, i'd like to think so uh but uh, you know i'm i'm not alone in being someone who would be totally feckless uh in front of <laughs> you know uh questioning but like uh, yeah, I don't know, because if if she talked to them, maybe she could reason with them, no. and then and then <laughs> their husbands wouldn't be able to kill her, no. because if she ended up dead, they'd be like, oh my god, my husband's a murderer. No, is that no? I'm trying to. Yeah, I think they I know guess, their husbands are murderers, and they're yeah, they're they would preempt having to feel that guilt by making they know by, it, by putting it on Adriana. They know it intellectually, but they don't know it emotionally. And uh, you're right; they would preempt it, and they yes it's true anyways adriana um seems a doomed character at this point in the sopranos who knows what's gonna happen uh but um yeah at the at the very end adriana in trying to learn what she's learned from this episode uh she um decides to just snitch on tina in uh in in a great scene in which she just outlines uh these you know this embezzlement that she's doing mm-hmm. uh and she has this it's great perfect line that she snitches on tina like you're kind of rooting for her to snitch on tina at that oh point. yeah i found it very satisfying well yeah. it's because it's <laughs> for once she's actually like all right i'm in this fucked up situation i'm gonna get something out of this yes you know and so you know she's like telling and i love my favorite line is she goes is that like a federal crime 
which is <laughs> talking about like embezzlement of like a hundred thousand dollars just trying to like feel out like is that su- can you arrest this person that i hate um and uh and at the same time ray curdo is doing the same thing and trying to get interfere on for his son which uh <laughs> an extra which, 20 a year yeah you know why not why not it's uh you know it's part of the deal and then that's how the episode uh that's how the episode ends um well also don't we isn't there a how, it's this episode right you see uh Masseron in the trunk oh right of course yes tony decides uh that Masserone, after staring at the painting long enough and realizing he is indeed fat and has not <laughs> lost weight uh he decides uh to stuff Masserone in a trunk and instead of a rat in his mouth, he has like a three wood cover or whatever, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was a, a beautiful, again, suburban touch um, for, right. for him to. Because like they want to be all symbolic and clever, but really he just had golf clubs in the car and that was what was yeah. available. At the time. They're like, where the fuck am I going to get a rat? Like back in the day, like being yeah. a mobster in New York in the 30s. Like, yeah, there were rats everywhere. You could get a rat, you know, you just grab one. But, I actually like, was wondering where. I spent some time. It was one of those things where I'm like, don't Google this. You're not going to be happy with what you find. But I'm like, where do they get the rat to stuff in someone's mouth? You know? And then like, how do they kill it? Just the logistics of that. It's very upsetting. I love the idea of like a store for mobsters where they're like, oh, okay. Aisle three is uh, those uh, cement shoes. Um, You know, and aisle two, we have all the rats that you stuff into the mouth. We have horses heads over on aisle seven. Uh, it's uh yeah yeah down on the left side next to the thin socks Uh (laughs) uh-huh no what you're gonna you were gonna want to go to the uh, symbolic murders aisle uh (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's so great oh fucking a yeah it's um yeah they have a three wood uh, or i didn't see what number would but they have a golf club it could have been a five yeah five seems that's you know yeah so Masseron is dead and uh, I love that, you know, it's just kind of like a foreshadowing that the FBI, in fact, is not good at their job and can't protect shit from anybody, you know? Oh, uh, I hadn't uh, I hadn't interpreted it that way, but yeah. Yeah, well, I'm really good at art, Allison, <laughs> so <laughs> I can interpret art real easy. Yeah, um, yeah. so let's get into, uh, for the ending here, our favorite, least favorite. Um do you uh vince do you have a favorite scene i mean we already discussed uh the tony discussing womanizing but yeah i think that was the uh my favorite is it's the mindset yeah what about did you have something uh least something you didn't like um i don't know i didn't have anything like that was like least that i love I, I noticed that there was a lot of hbo synergy going on here with uh the, oh, yeah? the show and the band of brothers sequence in there and i think like oh, in the yeah. next episode, they have like Kirby enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. Oh clips. yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't love the like Miami Vice suit thing because I just feel like that would that's like a cheesy move that uh, any show sure. would do. Where he's like, oh, of course he's got an old, out of date suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair. Allison, do you have a favorite scene? Least favorite. So scene? my favorite was we we already uh, talked about it and heard it, but it was um, Tony. Uh, thinking that he would be the one to be able to tell whether Masseron <laughs> is working with the feds. Oh, of course. Um, and then in the midst of that, I also really loved when he pulls up 
to talk to Massarone and then he's like, hang on a second and he gets a phone call and it's Carmela yelling at him about taking <laughs> the components and yeah. yelling because he's like, we can do this without a lawyer. And she's like, then stop taking shit from the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just, I mean, and that's like so much of what the show is about that intersection yes. of like his merit, his, you know, home life and mm-hmm. being a working gangster. Yeah. I loved that. My least favorite, but now I'm like, oh shoot, was that this episode? There's it, in this episode, Johnny Sack is sitting on a toilet with his pants around his yes ankles, smoking a cigarette while Tony's taking a leak. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. Something about I don't know, and I like Johnny Sack a lot. Mm-hmm. Something about that scene, I was like, I can smell the shit and the smoke <laughs> at the same time. I just had a very visceral, like, this one's really acting on all the senses and I am repulsed. Yeah, yeah it's no, also, uh, like, seems sort of out of character for Johnny Sack, who's, like, sort of a very fussy, uh, yeah, very, like, neat, neat. Yeah, he's a very finicky man. Yeah. No, and, and, and also, it's like, I mean, I'm sure there are people back in the day used to smoke while taking a shit but it doesn't i don't fully understand it because the last thing i want to do is like try to attempt to get things deep into my lungs while i'm shitting or in in a shitter yeah you know i also and and i think i'm in the minority here i did not love the movie club scenes i don't know why i've been trying to figure out what is turning me off to it and i'm not exactly sure but it's just not my favorite yeah i mean yeah i think for me the movie club scenes um i i i just love the idea of everyone getting together to watch a movie because it seems it seems like a thing to do. Right. Like I'm going to get all my girlfriends together and watch a movie. It, 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 and then especially like an old movie, the citizen Kane, mm-hmm. not only are we going to like be entertained, but we're going to learn about cinema. Right. Uh, and you know, because it's like, it's the, the pressure I have a screening room. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to do something fancy, like watch a fancy movie. Right. And, and then it ending with them, I don't know. I love the idea of it's like uh, evolving into gossip. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 like people who, you know, in in the suburbs who have pools and never use them, Yeah, you know, and, you know, they move there and then they they feel pressure to do it. But it's really only used twice a year. You know, Mm -hmm. it's uh, I don't know. There's something about like I have a screening room, so I'm going to invite the girls over to do something fancy. Um if I were to say my favorite, least favorite, um, I would say my absolute favorite scene is Carmela uh, at the very beginning of the uh, scene, uh, the the movie screening scene, kicking AJ out of the screening room, and his first like I, like his first response is why. Which I just <laughs> like that. <laughs> like, why the most hostile? Why I love that so much. Out. Why? Um, and then yeah, least favorite. I would say uh, Lil Carmine and um, and uh, Johnny Sack at the funeral for Carmine arguing oh, about yeah. Opus Day. Um, I, I, you know, I, I assume I didn't, I didn't know Opus Day was like some New Jersey housewife shit. Uh, I thought Opus Day was Da Vinci Code, like people beating themselves shit. So I didn't understand 
what uh, the no i love that in his later years your your father was very sensitive about the direction of the church I like, I like yeah i but i didn't understand i guess for me i just i don't get that at all i i don't know what I, that just means his, it, it just it struck me as like that's johnny sack and his wife's uh like you know that's like them, right that's like their issue and they're like and that's their politics that's their politics and they're sort of foisting it on someone else at the funeral which is a very italian thing to do yeah but he yeah. wasn't really into opus day was he you could read it either way like you could you maybe he was and that was something that johnny sack wanted to needle little carmine about because you know like i'm here i know i'm with your father every weekend going to church you're out in florida you know running a strip club or whatever and yeah. uh, right. and he actually like he's actually there to maybe know what carmine's uh actual thoughts were i don't i don't know i didn't read it my take wasn't that he was actually into Opus Dei, but I, I like that he was sort of using that as like a way to needle little Carmine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I, I you know, I just didn't understand it uh, totally. Um, but uh, I, you know, because I ha- need to have a least favorite, I guess I put yeah, that in. Well, there. it's because you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior that you would understand. I never will. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, I think. I think if I had to rate this episode, like I said, for me, it was one of the more forgettable episodes of the spread. Like, uh, uh, you know, I remember the season very well. A lot of great things happen. Um, you know, a lot of these storylines really, especially Tony B really like comes into its own. So I didn't love this episode. Um, I give it a solid B plus. Yeah. Vince, what would you give it? Yeah, definitely a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Uh, mostly a good episode. Good, solid episode, I would say. So, yeah, I'm going to go. Tough choice. I'm going to call it a B plus though. Okay. B plus. Uh, Allison. uh, See, it's hard for me because there were definitely parts of it that I found a little plotting, but then again, there was stuff that I thought was really funny and really clever. So, but then like compared to some of the best episodes, Mm -hmm. which are really like gripping, you know, but then it's like, but it's such a good, I would have to give it, God, this is hard. God, <laughs> I guess I'm going to give it a B plus. All right. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Tough, I think that's tough, a, but fair. It's tough, but fair. It's a good grade. Um, you know, B plus episode of the Sopranos, A plus episode of Pod Yourself a Gun. Uh, Allison Rosen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me on. This was super fun. And thank you for getting me back into the show, which I'm very excited to watch the rest of. I'm excited for you and, uh, you know, would love to have you back once, uh, you know, you get further along. I'm definitely into doing that. Hell yes. Where can people find you online? Well, you can follow me on social media at Allison Rosen, A-L-I-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a couple podcasts. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Comes out Mondays and Thursdays. And um, Childish, which is my parenting-ish podcast. I say ish because you do not need to have children to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. That comes out every other Wednesday. And I do that with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. Oh, I love Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. So check out both of those podcasts. Follow her on all the socials. Please. Patreon.com slash Frotcast for all of the bonus episodes of the Frotcast, uh, which is, let's pod yourself a gun, but about other things. Um, and once again, uh, the $8 tier is the pod yourself a shout out tier. And Vince... I hope you're prepared and you have your name given hat because we have a few shout outs to do. So uh, prepare yourself. Oh, boy. Uh, Oh, boy. First and foremost, we have Abe Anderson. 
Abe, Abe Anderson. Oh yeah, uh, we call him we call him uh, Honest Abe. It's it's an ironic nickname because he's a liar. Yeah, he's a liar. He's dishonest. I got it. Uh, yeah. Trace Trace Puckett. Oh, Puckett. Oh, the hockey puck. We call him Rickles because he's uh he's a hockey puck. <laughs> All right, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. Uh, we I was gonna say we call him Two Tears in a Bucket. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, right. I don't okay. get it. Anyways, I, I, you did better. Um, <laughs> then there's uh, uh, his name is at Central Ordinance, which I think is uh, just another yeah Central Ordinance. You have to. Oh, give. we call him Kaboom. Ordinance right. explosives, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I mean, so. I can't think of a, I can't imagine a mafia guy calling another one kaboom, but we're going to go with that one anyway. <laughs> All right. These Central are first drafts. That's what you get. Hell yeah. Sean McKenzie. Hey, McKenzie. What is this guy? Australian or something? We're going to call him uh we're going to call him Barbie cuz he's uh he's about to put a shrimp on the Barbie over there. It's really good. <laughs> uh next one is Mark. Just Mark. Just Mark. Uh that's going to be his nickname, Just Mark. All right. <laughs> hey, I like that. He's got a cousin, you know, that's uh, he's got a couple other marks that he hangs out with and he's Just yeah. Mark. There. Yeah, there's I like handsome that. Mark, there's tall Mark. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's just Mark. He's just Mark. Um, and next is Kirk Cameron. Oh, I mean, that's an easy one. We call him Subway. <laughs> Did you ever see the Kirk Cameron birthday party at the Subway where he's eating the Subway sandwiches? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yes, I have. Yeah, that's a very yeah. sad picture. Um, yeah. I had to call him uh, growing pain. Yeah. Why, why <laughs> sure, am I doing sure. it? Uh, and uh, last we have Jordan. Oh, just Jordan. Jordan. Michael, we call him Space Jam. All right, Space Jam. And uh, you, too, could get your own Mafia nickname at the $8 tier. Pod yourself a you shout too, out. You, too, we call him Bono because he's... Oh, wait, no, you meant... Oh, you <laughs> all, We're yeah. all done. Yeah. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash frogcast. All of our Patreon tiers now come with the uh, Discord uh, the, the Discord thing. Uh, everyone has a role on Discord. So join the Discord. Shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to do this quick. This has been a long one. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's uh, yeah uh, you can join and then you can join the discord where people are talking and stuff I'm going to get Vince set up on there it's a lot of fun people are memeing uh, broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions comments concerns Vince what's the google voice number 415-275-0030 alright ladies and gentlemen thank you for staying uh, up for a really long episode uh, we love you all and until next time don't stop believing Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.